Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. If you are excited to be in God's presence, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Please, you may be seated. I want to thank the entire leadership of uh, VGC Church for this opportunity, and especially our very own daddy, the DO, uh, as a Reverend Peter Miyadaji and his lovely wife, our mommy, the Lord bless you for this opportunity. Praise the Lord. And personally, I see it as a very uh, rare privilege to have, you know, to be standing in front of you this morning, sharing the word of God. Praise the Lord. And I pray in the name of Jesus that God will speak to us himself in Jesus' name. I want us to bow our heads as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to say thank you. Thank you because you have brought us together again this morning. Your word said, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. And we say in the name of Jesus in this meeting this morning, that you will do what only you can do in our lives and in our midst in the name of Jesus Christ. As we hear your word, we will not hear the voice of man. But God, we will hear you directly. We will hear you expressly in the name of Jesus Christ. As your word come this morning, let light begin to shine in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, let the light of your word bring forth transformation and change in our spirits in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray that grace, fresh grace be released. Grace to obey. Grace to trust. Grace to go all the way at your word. In the name of Jesus. And let that grace begin to make every mountain, every barriers and limitation in front of us. Let them begin to skip in the name of Jesus. Let them begin to give way. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. So quickly this morning, we'll be going straight into the theme for the month, which is obedience key to divine multiplications. Can you repeat with me? Obedience. Key to divine multiplications. And this morning, by the special grace of God, we'll be looking at the topic, enrichment for divine multiplication. Key of sacrifice. I'll take it again. Enrichment for divine multiplications, key of sacrifice. I believe you agree with me that when we talk of keys, keys give access. Praise the Lord. Keys what? Give access. And this morning, by the special grace of God, we'll be looking at the key of sacrifice. And you will indulge me this morning to try to uh, define this topic quickly. And I have here, enrichment can be defined as the action of improving or enhancing the quality or value of something. Enrichment can be defined as the action of improving or enhancing the quality or value of something. Then sacrifice. Also, 
is, as we know, an act of giving up something valued for the sake of other considerations. That's a dictionary definition of sacrifice. It's an act of giving up something of value for the sake of other considerations. So, knitting those two definitions together, I will say quickly that enrichment for divine multiplication, key of sacrifice, would mean our God enriches or improves or enhances the quality of our lives by we giving up something valuable or dear to us at God's word. Praise the Lord. I'll repeat it. Our God enriches or improves or enhances the quality of our lives. So when we talk of divine multiplication in the, in the core sense of key for sacrifice, when we talk of the key of sacrifice giving us access to divine multiplication, it will simply mean that God in that process of engaging us, of giving us instruction, of telling us to do something that will lead to us having to sacrifice. What he's actually doing in that process is trying to improve. He's trying to enrich our lives. Praise the Lord. By giving us instruction or guidance that will make us have to give up something of value or that is dear to us. And I pray this morning in the name of Jesus that as God takes you through that process, you will not resist him in the name of Jesus Christ. Because when it comes to sacrifice, it is easy to say than to do. Praise the Lord. And this morning we'll be going through certain scripture. Okay, I have a scripture here I just quickly want to share with us. John chapter 12 verse 24. John chapter 12 verse 24. It says, Jesus saying, it says, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Except a grain, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, it abides alone and dies. It remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Going through the scripture, I believe we all agree with me that death is not something we all want to associate with, right? Am I correct? But yet, Jesus is telling us that the process of death in a particular context can bring about increase, can bring about life. Praise the Lord. In other words, when a grain of seed falls to the ground in the right environment, within the right temperature, in the right context, rather than that grain of seed wasting away, it ends up to do what? To produce more grain. And that is why I'm saying this morning that the process of Sacrifice is God's method of enriching us. 
Because when it comes to sacrifice, sacrifice is usually very painful. It's a process that probably most of us don't really want to go through. Everybody like comfort. Everybody like things going as planned. When God comes into the equation, he usually rocks the boat. But the reason why God rocks the boat is not to our detriment. It is to help us to get to our is rather is desired expectation or destination. And I pray in the name of Jesus, God will give you understanding this morning in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Quickly, we're going to look at the life of our father Abraham. And we're going to try to see a few, pick a few lessons from his life. Please join me or open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 12. And I read quickly from verse 1 to 5. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4 says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Aaron. Verse 5. Then Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Aaron. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. This is not a strange story to most of us. It's a popular scripture. But if we find, if we try to go back time, or even in our own context, imagine you're in your comfort zone, everything is probably going as planned. It's not as if you are lacking because we can see, the Bible says, then Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother, and all their possession. They had some, you know, probably the normal, ordinary, or, you know, regular life. But yet, God came visiting, God came knocking. And he said, come on, Abraham, leave this, your comfort zone. Not probably to, you know, a destination that is already, you know, you know maybe you are going to America, UK, you know. He said, to a land that I will show you. So, apparently, he had no idea. He was just going to wake up and say, Wife, children, come on. We're we are traveling. Oh, daddy, where are we going? Oh, is this this? Oh, no. Is this this? No, don't worry. When we get to the airport, we know. And they're like, wow, what's happening here? That was the situation Abraham found himself. But the Bible says he obliged. And the Bible told us that while God was having that conversation with him, all what God gave him were promises. Say Promises. Say promises. It says, I will bless you. I will make you a great. 
and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. They were all promises. Promises that God today too is giving me and you. They were all promises. But just like Peter said, he said, nevertheless, Jesus, at your word, what will I do? I will lay down the net. Let's go to chapter 24 quickly. And verse 1. This was about, you know, a couple of years after that experience of chapter 12. After so many years, in chapter 24, verse 1, this was the record scripture gave us of Abraham. It says, now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord, say, and the Lord, had blessed Abraham in all things. Somebody say, in all things. In all things. In other words, between chapter 12 and chapter 24, the Lord had had different levels of engagement and encounter with Abraham. And his story was not the same. The Bible says God had blessed him in all things. When it comes to health, he was doing fine. When it comes to his finances, he was doing fine. When it comes to his relationship with neighboring countries, he was doing fine. We saw an experience that he had that just his own household went to do what? To deliver an entire country in a contest. Says the Lord. When it comes to might, hallelujah. He was blessed. And all this was as a result of one man taking it upon himself to do what? To obey. Tell yourself to obey. To obey. But there's something I want us to look at more, you know, neatly or closely about the life of Abraham. And that is from the angle of the key of sacrifice. Say the key of sacrifice. Open with me to chapter 22. And I read quickly from verse 1. It says, and it came to pass after these things that God, test, that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, yeah, I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as what? A bond offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Remember, we told ourselves that the key of sacrifice was God's method of what? Improving enhancing our lives. It's not as if God was wicked, but it is his method. It is his tool. And the same way he has been using it right from the time of Abraham, he's still engaging that method 
and that tool today. It will always come and ask us. It will always come and test us. It will always come and make demands. When God is making that demand, it's not as if he needs that money. Because we're going to see it here. He really didn't need Isaac. Who was testing him? It's not as if God is in need. But he's using that process to achieve something in us. So that we can be more and more like him. So that we can build capacity for more. If we run quickly to verse 12. You know, Abraham took Isaac, went on that journey. And in verse 9, let's go to 9. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Verse 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, yeah, I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son for me. In other words, God really didn't need Isaac. But he was trying to drive at something. He was trying to address an issue in the life of Abraham. He was trying to get to his will. And we can see that in verse 12. He said, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld. That means at that instruction. Oh, go ahead. Give me your son. It says, take, your, take now your son, your only son, whom you love. And go to the, to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a sacrifice. Offer him. God knew that I was giving this instruction to this man and he had the freedom to say no. He could have withhold. He could have held back. But the Bible says God said, since you have not withheld your son, emphasis, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and all that. Verse 17. Let's look at verse 15. It says, then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you. You know, when you read the scripture, you could probably ask the question. But in verse 12, God told him, I was going to bless you, right? 
If you go through some of the chapters before 22, God still keeps telling him, I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. Through your descendants, the entire earth will be blessed. But yet, God was still like, I want to be sure. Because that's what I saw. I said, for now I know. In other words, before now, there was probably still what? A doubt. That can we trust Abraham? Can we pass this, you know, mandate that the Messiah of the world will come through this man? Can we? Are you sure? Praise God. Just like when God, you know, when the devil met with, you know, God in heaven and God was boasting. He was boasting of someone. Job said, have you f- seen my servant? Job, there is nobody on earth like him. In other words, as we engage with God. Yes, we are building trust. We are trying, we are trusting, we are building faith. But in that process also, God is building trust. Our walk and journey with God is relational. Is relationship. So the process or the key of sacrifice in itself is not an end. Oh, I'm doing this. Oh, then I must get this. No, it's not a transaction, a a financial gain or loss. Mm -mm. That's not what it's about. Oh, let me give uh, so, so, so. I will get so, so, so. It's not about that. It's about relationship. And God said, for now I know that you fear me. It reinforced God's assurance about Abraham. And if you look at scripture, you know, I think, um, is it Genesis 18? Where God was trying to, you know, destroy a Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, can I keep this thing away from what? From my servant Abraham. For I know in my relationship with God, in your relationship with God, can God say, I know? Can God boast about you? It is that ability for God to be able to boast because God actually does boast about us. If he could boast about Job, he does boast about us. But for God to get to those levels with God, he will keep coming knocking. Say he will keep coming knocking. And when he comes knocking, he will come making demands. But don't miss it. He's not making demand because he probably lacks it. Is making those demand so, ca- so that it can gain access, so that it can break us, so that it can make us, so that it can make us that vessel that is so wish us to be. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, we will not fall short of God's expectation. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So quickly, we have seen 
that sacrifice or the key of sacrifice is God's method, is God's tool of dealing with us, his children. It's God's method of making us. Praise God. I have here our sacrifice or sacrifices is a vehicle. It is a tool. It is a method God used to shape or make us in order to arrive at God's ordained destination. What's that ordained destination? To make us arrive into his purpose. It helps us arrive into his will. It helps us arrive into his plans for our lives. He told us in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of good, not of evil. To do what? To give us a future and a hope. Don't forget, even Jesus, when he came, the Bible says, Woo for the joy that was set before him. What did he do? He despised the shame. He went through the agony of the cross. He went through the pain. Praise God. Why? Because it was necessary. If you read through the prayer he had, you know, in the Guardian of Gestiman, you would understand. Praise God. It wasn't easy. It was his will against the will of the Father. Because you can imagine if Jesus, the Son of God, who knew all through his life that this moment was going to come. And he could ask God, God, if it is possible. Because he knows, he taught us, he says, with God, all things are what? Are possible. So he knew there was a part of God that could tweak or change the hand of time and make this cup pass over. And he tried that option. But he said, "Mm -mm. nevertheless, not my will. So what does that tell us? At that point in time, that was actually not what? His will. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. One of the things sacrifice helps us to do, it helps us to align our will. It helps us to put our will or our flesh to death. Say, it helps us to put our will or flesh to death in order to help us totally surrender to God. Just like we read in Genesis 22, God said, because you have not what withheld your son, your only son. In other words, when it comes to the key of sacrifice, our will, God is trying to address something about us. And that was why when he went to Abraham, he emphasized, he says, your son, your only son. Please, how many years did it took Abraham to actually arrive at that only son God was actually asking for? 25 years. 25. 25. God knew what he was doing. 
it was a hard thing to do. It was more or less telling somebody, go and bite the bullet. And God knew if he could pass this test, then forget it, I have my man. I say in the name of Jesus Christ, may that be God's testimony about us in the name of Jesus Christ. So, and if we look at Luke 9, 23, don't forget that Jesus told us, he says, if anyone desires to come after me, he must what? Deny himself. Our will is an hindrance to God's ability to fully gain or find expression through our lives. And God always come to address that. And one of the platforms whereby he addresses that is through the tool or method of what? Of sacrifice. And don't let's forget that the sacrifice we are talking about is not just, you know, probably, you know, we just say, okay, this, uh, maybe taking a decision, oh, let me, you know, sacrifice is not just about me taking a decision. We are talking about a sacrifice that is based on what? On God's instruction. And that was why last week, by special grace of God, we looked at what the key of what? Discernment. Ability to discern. To know when God is talking to us. Sacrifice also helps us to build faith and confidence in God. Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19 tells us that, you know, when Abraham was carrying out that instruction, he knew, he believed that, oh, if I give up this boy, yeah, the same God that said I should give him has the ability to do what? To wake him up. Praise the Lord. It helps us to build our faith in God. So quickly, rounding up, I'm going to run through the conditions of acceptable sacrifice. Because sacrifice can actually be accepted or rejected. And the reason is, that's why I said, you know, it's not an end in itself. But it is a means to what? To an end. And that end is God's what? Ordained destination. So it's not about, oh, I've done, I've given so much sacrifice. I've done so much. I've let go of so much. Uh -uh. On whose terms? On whose what? On whose terms? So it's not about the act in itself. It's about where eh, the roots of that action. And that's the emphasis this morning. So our sacrifices can either be what? Accepted or rejected. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says that what? We should present our bodies as what? A living sacrifice. That is what? Holy and acceptable. So that means there is a possibility for our sacrifices not to be what? Accepted. And some of the conditions of sacrifice also most times sacrifice, it's not even most times, always sacrifice will always cost us. 
is always something that is dear to us. We saw it in the life of um, uh, Abraham. And before we run out of time, I want us to also look at God looking at our hearts. Say God looks at our hearts. Because sometimes or most times, the state of our heart determines what? The quality of that sacrifice. Not the sacrifice in itself, but the state and position of our heart. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It says that whenever we give, we should give what? Cheerfully. Not grudgingly. It says, nor of necessity. For God does what? He loves a cheerful giver. Exodus 25 verse 2. Exodus 25 verse 2. Talking about, you know, the children of Israel bringing an offering. And God told Moses... Verse 2, it says, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it what? Willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. The only offering God was interested in taking was what? That that is brought what? Willingly. So the condition of our heart matters to determine whether or not our sacrifice will be accepted. All men see is what you have done. Say, wow, this man is so generous. Wow, this brother, sister is so sacrificial. But God sees the heart. He knows whether, eh, after all those actions behind Eh? what maybe it was, you know, whatever. But the point here is the state of our hearts determines the quality of our what? Of our sacrifice. Don't forget the uh, scenario of the widow uh, that dropped our last mite. Bible says Jesus was watching and was seeing everybody dropping very big fat offerings. And there was just one woman that dropped how many uh, uh, dinaries? I think two, right? And Jesus said, this woman dropped all. When God comes to us, he will always ask us for what? For all. Because he wants to get to that call. He wants our will to submit to his will. And that is why he demands, he makes those demands. Imagine Peter. He said, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. And when Jesus got to this scenario, he didn't even, you know, um, how do I, what was that word? He didn't even, uh, co- is it commensurate with him? I said, ah, sorry, oh. And since yesterday, he said, oh God, Peter, come here. Give me your boat. Eh? Push it a bit away from the water so that I can use it to do what? To preach. Did he object? But imagine his experience. 
He had issues. Throughout the night, he was laboring without results. But after Jesus made use of that boat, he addressed his need. He said, Peter, yeah, take that net. Throw it. He didn't need to ask. He knows your need. He knows your situations. He knows your pain. But he's trying to come and talk to you and touch you. That it's not about this. It's about me. And as soon as we are yielded, we allow him. It takes care of every other thing. You know, God is not a wicked farmer, you know, or a wicked uh, master. He won't use a tool and, you know, just jump and throw it away. He will tidy it. He will take care of it. Don't forget, he told us, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He said, every branch in me that bears fruit. Eh? He does what? He still prunes. So no matter your state level now, God is still interested because there is still more. Say, I have capacity for more. Why? Because sacrifice in itself is not an end. It is just a means. There is still more. Say, there is still more. There is still more. More land to conquer. More victories to be won. Don't forget... God came to Abraham at age what? 75. Praise God. Eh? 75. I believe at that time here, we are already what? Closing the books. Say, come on. Eh? It's time to, eh, to rest. Say, there is still more. And God will always relate with us on that lane. He will always make demands of our lives. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that we will continually be sensitive to his biddings. When we talk of sacrifice, sacrifice is not just about money. You know, we, we, we sometimes limit all these things to Naira and copper. It's beyond that. It could be a demand of your time. Say, brother, you must begin to Maybe wake up and pray. You must fast. Maybe this amount of time in a week and you see everybody eating and, you know, enjoying themselves. And you say, God, why must I suffer? Eh? Is he, am I the one that killed Jesus? Hallelujah. But he's making that demand to enhance your life. It could be a sacrifice of our time. It could be a sacrifice of our resources. It could be a sacrifice of something that God sees as a clog or an hindrance to his ultimate plan in our lives. And I want you to know this morning that no matter what it is, no matter how beautiful your plans are, it is nothing near what God has in stock for you. I want you to bow down your heads this morning and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I release myself. Lord, help me to be continuously sensitive to know when your bid may come.
to know what you want me to do part-time that will further enhance my life to become that person, that sister, that brother that you really want me to be. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Father, we want to say thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to have heard your word again this morning. Pray that, Father, you will release upon our lives grace to be doers of these words. Grace to act in accordance to your beatings over our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. That the profit of following you might appear to all in the name of Jesus Christ. That our lives might, might continually bring glory and honor to your name in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord.